Bandwidth for this week in photography is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This Week in Photography is brought to you by Drobo. Find out how you can get your own Drobo at drobo.com slash twip. Coming up on This Week in Photography, we talk about Photo Plus, photo news including a fall in Canon profits, information on the latest twip contest, and how you can keep the fun in photography. All this and more on This Week's Twip, Episode 54. Welcome, welcome, welcome to This Week in Photography. That means Alex Lindsay isn't here because I'm Scott Bourne and you never get an announcement of what the show is unless I'm driving. And today I'm driving because if Alex was driving, he would have said, hey, everybody. But I like that too, so I'll say, hey, everybody as well. Alex is in L.A. on his way to Japan. He's a world traveler and that's why we have him on the show because he goes places we can't and takes pictures. Uh, <laughs> actually, that's not why we have him on the show, but that's a reason to have him on the show. Uh, never fear, though. Even though Alex isn't here, we have help from some of our regulars, some of the best uh, people in the business. Let's go first all the way to the East Coast, where I understand there's been some snowstorms. And Steve Simon, world-acclaimed photojournalist in New York City. Hi, Steve. Hey, Scott. Uh, you know, I'm Canadian. I know what snowstorm is. And I, I'm not seeing any snowstorms here, but okay. apparently in, in up, in the, uh, up in the northern part of the state, there's, I see. there's a little bit of snow. Well, I, you know, back out here in the West, we all think everything in New York is in New York City. So what do I know, right? Uh, it's a big state. Yeah, I know. Here. And uh, either in Hermosa Beach or Seattle, we have Ron Brinkman. Hi, Ron. I can confirm there is no snow in Hermosa Beach. Ah. I'm so waiting for it. One of these days. One of these years. That would that would no doubt. I mean, I've been in L.A. when it rains, and it's the equivalent of a six-foot snow oh, squall in Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. People just have no idea. No idea. But there is a place that's worse than that, San Diego. Oh, yeah. Further south you get, I guess. I was in the Hotel Del Coronado one time when it rained for a grand total of eight minutes. And the hotel staff knocked on every door apologizing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I was like, dude, I'm from Gig Harbor, Washington. Trust me, I know rain. This ain't rain. This is a sprinkle. Apologizing. (laughs) It was funny. Anyway, uh, we're going to sort of based today's show around something that did happen in New York City last week, which is the Photo Plus trade show. Now, back in the day, it was called Photo East because we used to have an L.A. version called Photo West, but I guess they couldn't get enough attendance, so they combined it into Photo Plus. And our very own Steve Simon was there because he is, in fact, after all, our New York-based correspondent. So when stuff happens in New York, we look for Steve. Steve, you were there at the show. You were doing some teaching, though, so I don't know how much you got to spend, uh, time you got to spend on the show floor, but just give us your overall impression of the show to get started. Well, well, that is true, Scott. I, I was there, but uh, the asterisk is um, I was leading a workshop here in New York City, and uh, the workshop uh, coincided, of course, with the Photo Plus Expo show. So I was really only there kind of briefly, but that being said, uh, you know, I, 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 the photo geek in me, I mean, I, I totally uh, enjoy, uh, you know, seeing all the new stuff. Although, you know, there were, there were a lot of people there. Apparently, uh, 27,000 people showed up uh, over the course. And that was, uh, I guess, a pretty good uh, attendance. It was more than last year, according to the show organizers. And, you know, who knows what they're going to say in terms of the numbers. But uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was crowded and uh, certainly... Um, you know, to make your way to some of the busy booths like the, the Nikon booth, of course, and, and the Canon booth where, uh, you know, the, the new camera that a lot of uh, Canon shooters are waiting for, the Mark II, uh, was on display. And uh, my friend Vince Laforé was, was talking a little bit about his uh, movie and his use of the camera. Um, well, don't don't get a- too much detail here. I just wanted you to kind of give a teaser because we're Okay, gonna- fair enough, fair enough. There was like lots of great equipment thousands of people there and uh you know i I think in in a in a time of economic uncertainty um you know it's 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 interesting to think uh, what might happen uh with the photographic market i know we'll we'll talk a little in the news items a a little further on but i suspect that uh you know people you know the the digital photography explosion is is going to continue um you know people are going to want to uh kind of an escape and a way to kind of express themselves and and certainly 
um, digital photography and everything that surrounds it is a great way to do that uh, without necessarily spending all your money. Well, we're going to come back to Photo Plus in a minute. I just wanted to give everybody a teaser. Before we do that, I do want to mention that by the time you hear this show, we will have picked the link contest winner for the last quarter. And that will be announced on our blog at twipphoto.com, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday-ish. So you want to see if you won, you have to go to twipphoto.com. If you send me an email asking if you won, I will not respond. You have to visit the blog because I can't answer 10,000 emails saying yes or no, you won. Um, we do, however, have a new link contest, which I'm going to announce right now. So for the next quarter, for those of you who aren't sure what a quarter is, that would be the next three months. We're going to have a link contest, and all you have to do to be eligible to win is be 18 years or older and a U.S. resident. Link back to twipphoto.com from your blog or website, and you can win a free one-year training package at lynda.com. And oh. this is, and this includes all the extended, the extended version of the lynda.com training, which gives you all the assets that you need to work with each of the programs that you're testing and training on. It's a $375 value from lynda.com. Uh, I love Linda. She's a wonderful human being. Her company, Linda, L-Y-N-D-A.com, is one of the best in the world, in my opinion. And I'm not just saying that because I have some training titles there. I, I just think she's a very impressive woman. And we're giving away a one, one free training disc to somebody. That'll be good for a year subscription. All you have to do to be eligible is to link. We'll have more information on this in the show notes and as time goes by over the months in this quarter on the blog. So that's that's it for that and check to see if you want. Now let's go ahead and get into some news real quick. This is kind of shocking. Canon sees its first drop in profits in nine years and Nikon also cuts the profit forecast. Stronger yen and lower camera sales have Canon making their first profit drop prediction in nine years. Wow. Is this a, is this a quarterly report? So yeah, well, their, their, their quarterly three net income is down 21.1% on the year, which is, you know, this is not unlike what we're seeing in terms of most items out there. Uh, new car sales are down about that amount. Uh, the market is down about that amount. So it's not much of a shock. Yeah, and yeah. the yen is a big deal because it's really changed in value relative to the dollar in the last few months. I'm starting to yearn for yen. <laughs> well, I know the the Canadian dollar has has plummeted uh, from you know equal value with the U.S. dollar to about like eighty cents in in just a couple of weeks. So yeah, I mean, it was really fast. And uh, yeah, I mean, just all over the place. It's just crazy times, I guess. But which sort know, of it, I don't know. In some ways, doesn't make sense, Iran, in the sense that I mean, the U.S. may have kind of been the the tipping point for this whole global crisis yet. Um, you know, other economies uh, are well. The dollar, anyway, is, is their currencies are, are dropping in relationship to the to the dollar. I, I don't understand it exactly. Well, it has it has a lot to do with our debt, Steve. Let's put it like that. We we have gotcha. ma- massive debt in the United States, and that's part of the problem. But in any event, uh, the, those who don't follow the stock market may not understand this. But the stock market is what we call a leading indicator, meaning it it for it foretells what we can expect in the next year or so. So. What this really means for the photography business is not good news. It means there will be slower sales for most of the manufacturers probably, and photographers as well will see slower sales. And we're going to do everything we can right here at This Week in Photography to help people be aware of that situation and also maybe to find a way to prosper in it, but we'll cover that later. Let's move on. Hey, Scott, on. Yep. just before you move on, um, you know, how much of the, the drop for Canon has been some of the problems that they've experienced over the last year? You know, they've, they've had some of their flagship cameras uh, with focusing difficulties, and, and Nikon has certainly, you know, come out strong in this past year and a half. I well, mean, okay, there's a, there, you know, here's the thing. Nikon is also cutting its quarterly prediction also because of the yen and... Um, the but one that's difference, a fork. but the one difference is they actually have increased SLR sales predictions, so mm-hmm. they do feel more confident than Canon about future sales in terms of predictions. And I don't have any idea what the actual reason for Canon's uh, slight uh, downturn is, other than the end. I will say that the one camera that they have had trouble with, the One D Mark III N. Did hurt them, and it cost them me. For instance, that's the main reason I left for the D3. I would have stuck with Canon had that camera worked well and they handled the uh, autofocus issue a little bit better. 
Uh, I do think Canon makes wonderful cameras, and I'm very excited to see what happens with the 5D Mark II. If they're able to deliver on their promises there, I think we'll see uh, some catching up in the actual sales. But I really think the entire economic downturn, Steve, is is probably as much a, a foe to Canon as anything Let's I, go. I don't. I do want to say that I, I think Canon for a few years in there kind of was. Uh, they had an open playing field. They didn't have a lot of competition, and I think that gap has narrowed in a lot of directions. Certainly with Nikon, but even you know across the board on some of the point and shoots, and you know Sony's coming on strong, and you know, I, I think they they just you know just people caught up to them. They didn't they didn't maintain their lead as well as they could have. Yeah. Well, like I say, I, I really think most of it's the end, but there's no doubt that the D three made an impact on the market and the lateness of the 5D Mark II's arrival compared to D3, D700, some of those issues has been a factor. Editor and publisher has selected the 2008 photos of the year. Now, editor and publisher, if you're not familiar with that particular publication, is designed to provide information about journalism as a field and to journalists. And Steve, I'm sure you're familiar with E&P. What did you think of the winners this year? I am, and uh, yeah, there were there were some some powerful uh, shots that were chosen. I I would uh, give a shout out to my uh, former colleague at the Edmonton Journal, Larry Wong, who was uh, among uh, the prize winners there. Um, it's a, it's a much smaller contest than some of the big photojournalism, uh, you know, POY uh, uh, competitions in the world press. But uh, nonetheless, uh, there are some different images that maybe you haven't seen um, in these other contests or perhaps being published. So it's definitely worth uh, checking out to, to see the winners. I have to say that I generally agree with the editor and publisher picks. I did think that the photographs from the Sichuan province earthquake that one were were compelling. I I wasn't sure that they were the best that I saw enter the contest, but you know that's the way it is with contests. You always think something else should be picked sometimes, but uh, exactly, and that's why people need to uh, enter our contest uh, that's right. regardless, because you never really you know it's not scientific, and you're all they're always going to be controversial, and uh, you know one 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 might win one, uh, another one could you know there there there's a thousand others that 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 could have won. I mean, there's so many entries, and there's so much great material, and in the end, you know, as we've talked before, uh, there's so many images that the judges are seeing. You've really got to get them in that first one five hundredth of a second because they're going through so much material. It's got to the the more subtle images. You know, sadly, often don't necessarily get noticed. Uh, although, you know, at, at these top contests, you've got great people that would pick up on things that uh, may be a little more subtle. But uh, but impact is a big part of of, of uh, getting getting yeah, judges. I mean, that's, yeah, that's that's the beauty of photography, right? Is that it's it's, it's a there's a technical knowledge required to get to the basics of it, but ultimately, it's the undefinable piece of it. You know, where does it hit you at a gut level? That is the importance behind it, and that's why it's different for different people. You know, we're we're, we're hitting the season of best of 2008 you know coming up for the next few months so i think we'll see a lot of these different kind of summarizing uh, contests and categories coming out and it should be fun to see what people are picking yeah and and maybe just uh, photographers out there uh in in the world of uh, twip uh now is the time to start organizing your stuff from for, from the year and and start looking at at uh the work that you've done and i think even if you're not if you haven't entered contests in the past it's it becomes a good marker to sort of go through the material you've 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 created this year and and make sure you've chosen uh sort of the portfolio pieces and it you can learn from the process i think i always find it, it very interesting to go back and go well, hey, you know, a whole year has passed, and and you know, maybe maybe I didn't get as much as I thought I would, and uh, it's it's always good to sort of self reflect to see where you are photographically, and then makes it uh, easier to move forward. Let's talk about the new EOS 50D firmware. That's a camera that very few people actually have yet, but there's already an Air 99 bug that they've reported. So (laughs) (laughs) you'd think somebody would catch the old Air 99 bug before they ship a camera once in a while, but apparently that's not happening. So that's available. You know, uh, DP Review finally did their review of the 50D, and Uh it it was interesting because it was not, you know, I mean, usually these new Canons come out and it's just, you know, highly, highly recommended. And this one, they actually took it to task a little bit because exactly like we know, you know, they increased the the pixel density. They had the same size sensor with a whole lot of pixels crammed on it, and the noise 
the noise characteristics is actually worse than the 40 d right now. I mean, noticeably so if you look at some of the tests. Yeah. Well, let's move on because there's more firmware problems. Right. Well, they're not uh, problems. They're upgrades. Nikon released a firmware update for the D300, and it does offer a, a lot of improvements, not just bug fixes. Frankly, most of these firmware deals are just bug fixes, but this one actually has some real changes, and we're going to put a link in the show notes to those actual enhancements. And uh, last, I, I just want to say um, there is more news in the stock world. Getty is going to buy Jupiter Images. This consolidation in the stock business has gone to pretty much craziness because now I think there's sort of like one or two stock companies left. Yeah. Now, isn't is is Jupiter Images? Is that the one that owns like iStock Photo and some of the the low cost stock photo stuff? You know, I think so. I, although all this stuff gets sold about every fifteen minutes, Ron. So I can't even keep track of who owns who. All I know is that the stock business show is different than it was thirty years ago. Um, it's, it's very hard now with all this consolidation, a lot of the stock businesses have just sort of sold to each other and there's not a lot of competition, which means if you're trying to get into the stock business, you kind of have to take the terms they offer you and move on, which is causing a lot of people to move on. Yeah. Okay. So I just looked at the, the release and yeah, it says that, uh, iStock photo is part of, and also stocks expert. I'm not familiar with that one is part of jupiter images i mean you know the iStock photo really kind of tossed a bomb into the stock photo industry and you know you got to wonder if getty is acquiring this to kind of try and basically up the value of what they own or to shut it down exactly yeah yeah just to simply shut it lots of businesses acquire their competition to shut them down it's a standard business practice and i'm very curious to see if that's what's going to happen although i'll tell you I think it would be a mistake because all that would happen is somebody else would create a, another iStock photo and then they'd have to buy that too. Better to go ahead and try to compete there, I think, than to shut it down. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes down because as as we know, I mean, I, I've never done stock, but I know you you have a stock agency, Scott. Um, you know, the, the, the money that, uh, the living that, that great photographers were making with stock, uh, I suspect that, you know, there are certain elite photographers that can still maintain uh, a decent living, but it seems now that sort of the, the kind of global amateur photographer is, is starting to to you know, get involved, and and that whole market is 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 quickly kind of evaporating. So you know, you wonder how in the end it's going to shake down, and where these new markets are going to be uh, for photographers. I suspect, of course, they're going to be internet related, but no one really has figured out. I don't think kind of how to how to make money yet from this. Well, there's money to be made, but there's not the kind of money that there used to be for most people. Let's just put it like that. If you have news for us, send it to twipphoto at gmail.com, and we'll try to sneak it into the next show. Let's talk about the site of the week. And, uh, Ron, you've got this one, Patrick Anderson. Yeah, I, and I will, you know, full disclosure here, I got back to L.A. Uh, I've, I've uh, traded emails and Twitters with Patrick, and uh, uh, I get back to L.A. this uh, yesterday, and there's a copy of his book that he had sent me. He's a New York-based photographer, does a lot of uh, celebrity photos and a lot of, a lot of other really nice stuff, too. But there's this beautiful copy of his book sitting, sitting on my doorstep whenever I showed up. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's just a lot of really great celebrity photos from Bill Clinton to uh, David Lynch to uh, Mick Jagger uh, and, and a lot of other stuff as well. But I figured, you know, certainly... Uh, I'm, I'm happy to give him a shout out, not just because he gave me a copy of his book, although bribery does often work on the show. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, clearly I looked through the book first and it's very much worth mentioning. So it's patrickanderson.com. Check the, check the website for the link because if you spell it the way you think it should be spelled, you get some vibraphone player in Norway. But <laughs> which which might be worth visiting just because he is a vibraphone worker. Could, could be, yeah, that's true. But uh, no, Patrick's got some good stuff. So thanks many, for the how, book. By the way, how many times in your entire life have you said the phrase <laughs> vibraphone <laughs> player in Norway? <laughs> it could be a first. Okay. You're right. <laughs> We do have the photo assignment uh, winner, but we're not telling you who it is. <laughs> <laughs> this will not yeah. be announced until next week's show. We're going to keep you in suspense, but we do know who the winner is. 
And that was for the contest yellow. Now, the new contest is called Straight Lines. That's our that's our theme for the assignment. As always, you go out and figure out what that means. We are going to switch back this month to the Flickr approach. And basically, I explained it on the Flickr site at the forum, and I'll tell you why here on the show. Basically, we found a bunch of people freeping the polls, the freeping the the vote, and mm-hmm. we caught a guy who was, you know, giving himself votes. We've done that's like the third or fourth time that's happened, which is moronic, frankly, because just because you win all the votes doesn't mean you win the contest. The rules clearly say that the judge's decision is final, and we pick from that group. Nevertheless, because of that kind of stuff going on. And also, many of the people who originally contacted and asked contacted us and asked that they be able to vote have decided they don't like that. <laughs> Which I, they're like, well, we kind of now realize that we be careful what you ask for. We, we don't like it when we pick the winners. We want you guys. We trust your judgment better than ours because we looked at what we're deciding and we kind of suck. So <laughs> that's sort of like the you know, the person that says, "Mom, I can babysit," and then they come home and realize I couldn't babysit so well. It, it, well, let's, let's I, hope we don't have the same voting irregularities on Tuesday yeah. that we're having a contest here. <laughs> let's, let's not even go there. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 so basically, we're going to see how it works back on Flickr. Although we had our highest participation ever, I will say, on Trade this last month and the month before. We may go back to Trade, but I'm just nervous about this this voting thing. It really bothered me. And I just frankly don't have time to take care of it. I just do not. Yep. So the the current assignment will be available to you on Flickr. As usual, the winner, however, will be announced Twit photo and on the podcast. So I hope that's not too confusing. Uh, once again, go to the website for more information. The Straight Lines assignment will run all month long. And we are going to give away some very special prizes that I can't announce yet because I don't know what they are. <laughs> but they're special. Well, they are going to be. They are going to be special. You know, we used to just do like a book or something. We are giving away better stuff. I just don't know exactly what that prize package will be. The last prize package was worth a thousand dollars. I don't know if it'll be quite that much. But we're going to try to see if we can ever get our friend Fred to show up, maybe to give us a copy of CS4 or something. There you go. We'll, we'll find out. You can also head over to the discussion group on Flickr, where we have almost seven thousand. Members, if you need help signing up with Flickr, the word help appears on every single page at Flickr.com. Last poll results. How many photos do you take in an average week? How about you, Ron? How many photos do you take in an average week? You know, it depends. If I'm traveling, it's thousands. If I'm going to work, it's uh, less. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, Steve, how about you? Yeah, you know, if you average out a year, uh, that's a, you know, I could probably figure that one out easily. I just go to my Aperture library and do the math, but uh, uh, not enough for one, because, you know, as I've mentioned, as we've talked about, you know, we should be sort of exercising our photographic muscles every day if we can. And there are a lot of photographers that have done very interesting projects shooting every day, you know, a photo a day or a bunch of photos a day. But uh, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll tell the results. And uh, and see, but it's interesting, uh, you know, that when the, when you ask the questions, how many people, how many pictures you take in a week? Only about three percent admitted uh, to none. Well, which, the, no, yeah, but here's the thing: this this is the, this is the fascinating result in the poll. Three point four percent of our audience takes no pictures a week. So you, why you, are they you, listening? You people do realize this is a photography podcast, right? <laughs> Just if you're looking for the knitting podcast, you are on the wrong plane. Just love the sound of our voices. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Three point four percent of you that do not take pictures and listen to the show, we need to talk. <laughs> um, one to fifty was the highest category, forty six point five percent. And yeah. uh, but the qu- the question should be, how many good photos do you take in an average? Well, that'll maybe be a future poll. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so. Then we moved to eleven percent. Or excuse me, 25%, 51 to 100, 11%, 101 to 200, and 13.9% to 201 or more. I did exactly what you suggested, Steve. I went to my Aperture Library and averaged it out, and I came out with about 300 photos a week. So That is good. That's where we should be, guys and listeners, you know, uh, find the time. But I have to admit that there are weeks where there's very few and that there are 300 a week because I might go to Bosque de la Pache for a month and shoot 10,000. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I do try yeah. to take a picture every day, just so you know. Let's get back to uh, the Photo Plus discussion. There were a lot of announcements at Photokina, of course, so that sort of stole the Photo Plus thunder. But there was some interesting stuff that happened. Uh, first of all, I will ask you, since you were there, Steve, did you see anything in particular that you liked or hear about anything in particular that you liked? Yeah, well, I, you know, again, I, when you asked me earlier, I sort of went on and on, but uh, you know, the main thing was that I, I didn't, I didn't um, really have any quality time to to look for for specifics. So, um, you know, I think we all know, or at least we can talk about some of the. Um, I don't think there were any surprises, Scott, in terms of new stuff being unveiled at one, Photo Plus. One teeny surprise, I think. Yeah, go ahead. one teeny surprise, and it's it's the kind of surprise, frankly, that is a good surprise, which you don't get to see very much of anymore. But at Photo Plus, Nick Software announced a complete collection for Aperture. Ah, and if you've heard any of my reviews of the Nick Software, you know that I like it. But you've also heard me say every single time that I think it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, they now have bundled it all into a thing for like 299 bucks, which is incredible, you know, compared to the price of the original entire collection. So I thought that was a good move. Now, I don't yeah, know. They, they were asking Scott originally for like 250 bucks per kind of uh, plugin, weren't they? Well, I mean, some, that, yeah, we're, some of the plugins are more expensive than others, but yeah, a lot of their plugins are very expensive. Now, they're very good, and they might have taken the approach, well, hey, we're, we're better than most, so we're worth it. But now that you've got an entire kit available for two ninety nine, that starts to become a lot more affordable. And I think we'll probably see this trend with some other software packages, once again, because of what we talked about at the top of the show, Economy, But anyway, that was an announcement that caught my eye. Also, I want to talk about something that happened there that probably very few of you are aware of because it hasn't been made very public. They were showing stuff off at Photo Plus, but my friend Andy Biggs, B-I-G-G-S, is a really good wildlife photographer. And he uh, has spent a lot of time in Africa. I mean, a bunch. His images have been recently licensed by Banana Republic. And they're actually selling them for him. Ah, that's a good gig. (laughs) That's a good gig. Now, he leads tours over to Africa on a regular basis. And as a photographer, he was very unhappy with the photo bags. Here we go, Steve, your favorite subject. The photo bags that are available to photographers. So he started a new company selling a new photo bag. And the company is called Gura Gear. G-U-R-A-G-E-A-R. Now, if you go to their website, You'll see that they're they're still not there's nothing to see there. They're waiting for uh, e-commerce section to be built, which should be any day, I think. And they're going to open up the public. But I actually have one of the bags. He shipped me one of the bags to be a beta tester, and it's designed to fit in any airplane overhead, including those small regional jets that always barf your bag back out at you because you can't fit them in that tiny little cubby hole. And you can put a ton of gear in this. You can put a two to 400 lens plus several bodies, other lenses, and it's very well designed. It's very expensive. It's like 400 bucks. Most bags are these days. Anyway, that was announced there. And we're going to have a, a lot more information on that bag here at TWIP because I've been beta testing it and it's really cool. I mean, I think. A, go ahead, Ron. I was just going to ask is it like an over the shoulder bag or a backpack or what's it's, the style? It's a backpack it? style or just, a, you know, carry style. Okay. Um, and he's really thought it out. I mean, it's another one of these deals. I, everybody knows I like think tank photo bags because, once again, they're also designed by photographers. And Andy being a photographer, he really designed this because he has to ride these airplanes and these regional jets into places, you know, like in Africa. You can't just throw your giant bag over. You know, my think tank airport addicted is is going to fit on any 747, 727, 757. But... If you fly regional jets, it's not going to fit in the overhead. He has. Even, oh, sorry, sorry, Scott. Well, that's Go my ahead. fault because I pack it so full. But uh, <laughs> he he's got a bag that you can pack almost as full as you want, and it's still going to fit in those small overheads. Yeah, I, I you know I I have a bag problem. We all know that. I know many <laughs> listeners all, out. 
do. But, uh, you know, I, I use the think tank as well, the international. And I've, you know, even in those regional de- jets, you can often sort of um, fit them sort of uncomfortably under your seat. And then you got to sort of, you know, put your knees up and it, it, it ain't fun. So we're always looking for the perfect bag. It was it was Jim Domkey, God bless him, who sort yeah. of, uh, he was the, the pioneer that, that showed the way for other photographers to, yes, you can design your own bag and start your own company and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure um, this this gentleman's bags are, are not the last of, of no. uh, photographers' bags to be coming over the next few years, and chances are I, I will buy them all. Well, Andy's, <laughs> Andy's bags, once again, Gura Gear is the company, and we will have links as soon as it, it's open to the public. Andy's bags are primarily designed to get your gear to your location. Yeah, you can right. work out of this bag, and I, I already have. The way I tend to work those out of a vest. So I'm using Andy's bag to get my gear on the plane. And then I transfer it to my vest when I'm in the field. But it is really well designed. And this it's sort of based on the same idea of Moose Peterson's bag. It's a very thin bag, minimal padding, so that you can get more gear into it. The main difference is that Andy's bag, A, seems a little better constructed. And B, has some padding in between the the compartments that Moose's doesn't, and they're similar ideas, similar price, but I, I think Andy's bag is designed for people that are just a little uncomfortable having almost no padding, and I think he came up with a good compromise. He's going to have a larger one available uh, eventually, which I'm glad about because my three to eight hundred is too long to fit in this particular bag, but my two to four hundred will. So I, that was an announcement. And some of the other bag companies came out with new bags at these shows, which they always do. The thing I heard was that the longest line, Steve, were at the Canon booth for people who wanted to get their eyeballs on a 5D Mark II. What, can you confirm that? Um, I cannot confirm that. <laughs> I wish Fred was here because we know that he was at the show and he spent a lot of time at the show. Um, I suspect that, of course, it is true because the the interest in that camera is uh, great, as we all know. I, I will say that um, you know when I walked in, the Nikon booth was right there, and uh, it was uh, it was very busy. It was hard to sort of get to the counter where you you wanted to be to to play with all the the stuff. Um, I mentioned earlier Vince Lafaure was uh, the guy who did the Reverie video that really kind of uh, showed what this camera can do and uh, he was busy working for Lexar and I believe Canon as well uh, talking about the camera um, I, I have no doubt that that uh, is the case I didn't actually see it for with my own eyes but uh, no question there's a, a lot of interest uh, with that camera I suspect it's supposed to be here soon isn't it uh, before Christmas anyway that's that's the word we're getting unfortunately while we've scheduled several interviews with Canon to talk about the 5D Mark II, their representatives have never actually shown up for any of them. So we don't have any more information than what uh, I just gave you. But I do know that it has drawn a ton of interest, and I do mean a ton. Now, the is this? I got a question. Is this show in general? Is it open to the public? Well, in the it- old days, they used to pretend it wasn't, but it was. Yeah, no, it's it's very much open to the public. Uh, you know, leading up to the show, there are many offers that allow you to go in for free. I believe if you just want to attend the trade show, and and there's all kinds of seminars that you can pay for, educational seminars. There's some some great photographers that are there speaking. Uh, the great Bill Epridge, I believe, was uh, giving a presentation um, this year, as was uh, HP sponsored a couple of Magnum guys. I believe it was Alex Soff and another huge name that I should remember and, I, and that I don't. So it, it's kind of all-inclusive. You can, you can attend as much of the show as you want. Um, you can take these seminars or you can just sort of go onto the show floor. But yeah, it's, it's made for the public to, to check out. And of course, uh, professionals are, are there to, to, to see people they know and, and check out all the, the stuff that uh, you know, maybe they didn't get a chance to see. There was, there was a large audience of, like you said, 27,000 people. Given that New York is New York and there are millions of people there, you have to wonder if 27,000 people wouldn't have wandered into a railroad convention. But <laughs> I, yeah. I, I do believe that, at least according to the show organizers, this mm-hmm. was a better turnout than last year. Yeah, the, 
I mean, the, you know, this, with the health of the photography business, I mean, more and more and more people are getting into it. You would think that a show could continue to grow for some time. Yeah. Do you think, guys, like as I brought up earlier, I mean, obviously the economic uh, situation that much of the world finds itself in. I mean, I, I do believe that, you know, photography is a little bit recession proof in the sense that, you know, people are, are going to want to, you know, express themselves and it is kind of a, an escape. But that being said, uh, it's also an expensive hobby to have if it, if it is a hobby. And I wonder, maybe that should be a poll. Um, you know, are people planning to sort of put off major photographic purchases uh, because of the economy? I, you have to think that they probably might be thinking that way. Well, you know, one of the, one of the indicators, I had two friends who I sort of sent to the show. I, I got press credentials, but I just couldn't make it. I had some medical stuff going on and a bunch of other things I, I sent two friends though that wanted to go and they both kind of gave me a similar reports. The big boosts like Epson, Nikon, you know, uh, Canon, they were all well attended. Apparently Joe McNally, who's been on our show was signing prints in the Epson booth. Um, Bogan had really big booths where they had lighting setups and all that kind of stuff. Uh, according to all the reports I've seen, Adobe's booth was very well attended Lots of people were looking at CS4 because it isn't shipping yet. So that was a place where people could actually play with it. And that, that was kind of important. Uh, Westcott set up a bunch of live demos with their lighting gear. Somebody said that those were probably some of the best <laughs> seminars that the show, and they were the free ones on the floor, which I really got a kick out of. Um, plugins were really hot. Not only Nick software, but on one software's great new, you know, plugin set was on display. And um, I, I also heard that, you know, like the store booths, like B&H, et cetera, were really big. So all that activity leads me to believe that as of right now, the economic depression isn't really affecting the photo industry. But like I said, the stock market is a leading indicator, not a trailing indicator. And with these numbers where they're at lately, you have to wonder what next year's Photo Plus is going to look like. You know, in terms of actual photography, though, the nice thing about it is, is these days, since you don't only have the cost of film and processing and all that, you know, once you have a setup, it's actually a relatively inexpensive hobby as long as you're not, you know, overtaken by the lust to get new gear. So, you know, a lot of people can kind of hunker down, still do what they love, just not upgrade to the latest and greatest, but still take photos. Yeah, I, I just yeah. realized, by the way, that I forgot to mention that we are going to have a new poll, and the poll is, as a photographer, how do you feel about being photographed? Ah. I'm pretty pretty sure I know how this one's going to turn out. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Most yeah, of us yeah. are photographers because we'd rather not be in the picture. But anyway, we wanted yeah. to find out if our assumption about that's true. Let's move on. I do want to ask, add one more thing about Photo Plus. This is a place where a lot of the photographers, like Vincent Lafaray and um, others who you know are kind of well known for being out front for some of these camera companies make appearances and they're all very popular there. I do have to say that sometimes I'm a little uncomfortable with these shows about the level of pimping I see from the photographers. And I wonder sometimes, you know, if you have to supplement your living by, you know, making all these presentations on behalf of a manufacturer, eh, you know, do, how, does anybody... Is that just me, or does anybody feel weird about that? It's uh, a fine line, right? I mean, as long as you're upfront about it and you're pimping for something you really believe in, <laughs> I don't think that's a problem. But yeah, it's it's sort of the new uh, kind of photographic assignment. I mean, you know, again, uh, you know, times are difficult. The competition is great, and and people are finding ways ways to survive. And with the growth of digital photography, shows like Twip and 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 a lot of opportunities and workshops and so on present themselves for photographers to take. So it's not a surprise. And and you do you know you do see the same guy you know in different booths making similar presentations, which you know maybe. Uh, a little redundant. Uh, it would be nice to to see some some fresh meat, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I, I understand it, uh, Scott. Uh, though I, I also kind of understand the the seduction of um, you know working with uh, companies and and you know you gotta you gotta sort of find ways of, of of just staying keeping your head above water. So I understand that too. Well, you know, there was a back in the day. I used to be involved in the PPA, the Professional Photographers of America 
when I was doing my wedding business. Mm-hmm. And every year I would go to the trade show, not as a, you know, a speaker so much. I did a couple, occasionally speak, but I never went and did the pimping thing on, on the show floor. But I would see these guys that claimed to have very successful wedding businesses and they would be there. And then I would, they would have a trade show schedule. They'd be saying, oh, by the way, catch me here, here, and here. And then here's my list of seminars. And it turned out they were traveling like 40 weeks a year doing this. And most of those presentations were on the weekends. And I thought, now, wait a minute. I'm a wedding photographer. And I can tell you what my <laughs> weddings look like, my weekends look like. I haven't got a free Saturday for the next three months. How is it that you've got time? to be doing all these workshops and the simple thing was is that they were making money teaching workshops they weren't making money doing weddings no i think you're right about that it's it's it, in some ways it's kind of like the uh the guys that that talk about uh you know earning earning you know getting rich you know how to create wealth and and really they're creating Pay me two dollars and i'll teach you exactly and that's where their wealth is coming from here's what you I, do you, know, you start I, this game <laughs> where you tell people that if they'll pay you two dollars you can make I mean, them rich <laughs> Exactly. The fact is, these shows, I mean, when there's 27,000 people, I mean, there are people like us that go every year and we kind of know the lay of the land. Um, and, and, you know, for us, it may go, oh, it's, it's the same thing over, you know, it's Groundhog Day again. But I think, you know, for, for, the, for the corporations that, that sort of put these things on, they want to have kind of known quantities. And, uh, you know, it, it takes a while, I think, to kind of uh, uh, emerge into that scene and and once there i mean it's hard to say no to i would suspect because i i guess the the money's good and you work it into your yearly uh activities uh, as a photographer well obviously a guy like joe mcnally who's done amazing corporate work he's not there because he can't make a living as a photographer and i don't want to imply that anybody's doing oh, that of course know. But yeah. but it does make me occasionally uncomfortable to see how amped up it's become in the past it used to be Hey, I noticed you're going to be talking in this conference room at, you know, Photo Plus. Would you mind stopping by the booth and signing autographs? That's that's different than three straight days of manning the booth on behalf <laughs> of a manufacturer. Right, and, right, uh, right. That, that's what started to bother me a little bit about that. I don't take those gigs and I, I'm, you know, not saying that because I'm high and mighty. I'm just saying because it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. But I do think that people need to be aware of it, like you said, Ron. As long as it's fully disclosed, then folks can make their own mind up. I guess. Yeah, and, and that's really it. You know, if if somebody's appearing at a at a booth, you can pretty much assume that they're getting paid by that company, and you know, it's, it's relatively full disclosure. Whereas if you read an article about a photographer and they happen to drop a lot of names, then you know, of, of gear and obscure gear and stuff like that. Sometimes I guess you maybe do have to wonder, but. Uh, well, everybody's so cynical these days. You know, anything we talk about in on Twip, they assume we were paid to do it. So I guess there that that cynicism is reflected back to us. Well, as well, I want to point out for the record, we're not being paid to talk about things uh, other than the things we we clearly mentioned that we uh, are sponsored by. However, if you do want to pay us to talk about things, send me an email. That's right. Yeah. This, so. But if we get paid, we disclose it. And uh, that's for, right. So, but for instance, a perfect example is Drobo. Me personally, and and several others that I know were using Drobos long before they were a sponsor here on the show, and they do pay us, and we talk about them. But and our our policy is we we don't take sponsors for products that we don't use. So. Yeah. And I think I think you know a lot of photographers feel that way. I know I personally, when I get involved with sponsors, I I you know obviously use the stuff, and I, I might approach the sponsor if 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 it's some if it's an opportunity that that you know would be good for me, and and I in love with you know use their product and so on and so forth. Um, and and I suspect that for the most part, it's not you know one guy um, you know being recruited by all these places that doesn't use the stuff. I think it's probably similar uh, with a lot. Of it's kind of an organic uh, uh, relationship with the manufacturer. Well, that's about all we have for Photo Plus. It wasn't as big a deal, obviously, to the industry as Photokina was. And on the years that there's Photokina, we don't expect tons of Photo Plus news. But we did at least have some noses there looking around for stuff. Yeah. There were, were a few things that we did mention. If there's something you think we missed, send us an email, twipphoto at gmail. 
And we'll, I, I know we'll there's that. stuff that we missed. You know, yeah. and I again apologize. I certainly wasn't uh, covering the event. Uh, what as, kind of as, New York correspondent as are evidence, you? <laughs> as evidence from my thorough knowledge of my 15 minute visit. But you know, in the past, I mean, there's always these little things. I remember, you know, the, the little boosts. You know, the little guys like your your, your That's friend my Andy. Place. Yeah, That's there's all these 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 photographers with dreams that create these products, uh, and they're out there. As are like the the well, workshops. For instance, you know, at school. MacWorld where many of us will be i'm i'm teaching at MacWorld, and i know alex is are you wrong i will be uh i'm not and steve, steve you're teaching yeah i'm gonna do a, a photo workshop there so. oh cool. cool yeah i'm doing a couple of aperture things and alex is probably teaching you how to take your node to the stars but uh <laughs> i will then spend most of my booth time i'm using air quotes here for you steve my booth time i will wander around the booths in that area where they always have the tiny little one-man booths yeah, little stuff in the back where somebody yeah. had an idea that's great you know that's I mean, where i just- spend almost all my time because i have found so many cool things there back in the 90s i used to go to trade shows do that and i would actually ended up buying a couple of those companies that I met back in the back booth because I thought their ideas were so cool. That's where I ran into some guys after I just met them in my studio. The Lens Baby people were in a very small back booth at their first show, and they were just overwhelmed with interest in their product. And now, of course, they're a sponsor of our, our blog. But, man, it's need, just... Need, need I remind you, Scott, that I believe a little, a little baby called Twip was born in Macworld. That's right. We, you know, yeah. and, and it was carefully thought out when I went up and said, hey, Steve, you want to do a podcast with us? And grabbed you by the elbow and taught you what a podcast was as we went on the stage. Exactly. Exactly. So. Well, yeah, Twip actually was born before that. Ron and Fred and I and Alex gave a sort of false start a year before, but then I got caught up in this thing with this yeah. Discovery Channel and I couldn't do it. And then we it's came given up for adoption and then yeah, reborn. Now we're back. But yeah, the trade show booths, if you, if you can find your way to the obscure little you know, one- and two-person booths. Sometimes that's where the gold is. We'll be covering that at Macworld. And by the way, at PMA, the Photo Marketing Association show, which is the first week of March, we will have a very large presence there. We're hoping to actually do a show live on the floor there or near the floor. And uh, I'll be covering every inch of that show. So we'll have more details on that. If we didn't get it at, at Photo Plus, we'll try to get it at PMA. Time for a couple of listener questions. But first... Speaking of Drobo, this is a perfect time to say that TWIP is sponsored by Drobo. That's the most intelligent and automated storage device, in my opinion, that's ever been made. You can combine up to four hard disks, and you get to form a single pool of protected storage. Now, you do have to have at least two disks to have protected storage, but two to four will get it done. They can be any size. You can mix and match sizes, and then you have redundant protection against hard drive failures now we did have a listener who had a drive fail not a drobo fail let's make that perfectly clear but one of the drives he said it was an old drive he had taken out of an old computer and jammed it in there and about six months later it failed and he did want us to note that sometimes the self-healing thing that happens takes a while and i'm going to tell you it does take a while but it works so that's the deal don't think that if you have a drive fail and you slip in a new drive that in 15 minutes all the data will be copied. That doesn't work that way because it has to uncompress, decompress, recompress, etc. But it will eventually happen. He said he patiently waited for about 14 hours for his one terabyte drive to repopulate. Came in the next morning to work. All the lights were blue and green, which is what you want to see on a Drobo. Everything was fine. So it does take a while sometimes. Don't get impatient and try to interrupt it because you'll screw yourself up. But it will self-heal if you lose a drive. And for me, that's sort of Dick Tracy technology. I, 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 I'm, I'm just amazed by it. You know, Ron, you're a lot more technical than me. Um, you, know, you just had a little bit of experience with the Drobo. What do you think so far? Yeah, no, it's very cool. I'm the, my only problem with Drobo right now is I only have two drives in there. Uh-oh. Uh oh. So I have two empty slots. And I'm just sort of waiting for. I, I've seen the the one terabyte uh, uh, Western Digital Green Tech ones on sale for about a hundred bucks. Where? Uh, there, you, yeah. you occasionally see them come by, like on the slick. I deals paid like two thirty each know, for those things. Yeah, I've, I've seen them for one oh nine. Okay, uh, well here, let's just let's just get it. Let's just get this established. When you find them for one oh nine, you be sure you be sure and let everybody at Twip know. Yeah, well, usually it's the kind of thing where they're sold out, you know, a few hours later. But if yes, you if I, you can well, buy one, buy ten. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm betting that you know we're gonna have the post Thanksgiving uh, sales that are gonna show up, and and I am sure that everybody's gonna be trying to get as you know squeeze as much out of this economy as they can. So, you know, if you're yeah. looking to buy some more disk drives, I'd say start waiting around Thanksgiving time, and you'll start to see some deals show up. You always do, and I bet I bet you'll be able to find one terabyte drives for you know around the hundred dollar price point, hundred dollars, hundred and ten dollars. Yeah, they're about 150 now because I've been looking too. I've got uh, an empty drove over in front of me, so I'm just kind of waiting to. Well, I bought to, I bought 40 of those Western Digital Green drives at an average what? price of 209. So, ooh, ouch! Yeah, I, well, you know, I paid too it, much. Uh, well, you know, in, a, in another year, then there'll be 50 bucks. I mean, I you, know. you, if you need the space, you got to get them. Well, the 1.5 drives are starting to ship, and I'm going to wait, as I always do, until the 2 terabyte drives come out. That means the 1.5s will be perfected, then I'll buy those. And then when yeah. the 4 terabytes come out, I'll buy the 2s and so forth. But yeah. you can insert any size drive into a Drobo. I currently use four 1 terabyte drives in each, which means I have 3 terabytes of protected data. It's incredibly easy to set up. The instructions are literally five lines that are imprinted on the back of the faceplate. It couldn't be easier to use. It's so easy that even Scott Bourne can use it. I recommend it. And if you want to pick one up, you can get $25 off either a USB or a second-generation Firewire 800 with USB Drobo by going to drobo.com slash twip. TWIP, it's a special arrangement we've made with Data Robotics just for TWIP listeners, and we thank them for their support. Listener questions. We have a question that comes from Carl Short. The obligatory thanks for TWIP. I look forward to listening to the show. As a volunteer photographer, I often shoot outside midday group team building exercises for groups ranging from 20 to 45 participants. The action is fast paced and there's no control over the time of day or lighting conditions. Midday full sun is a normal environment. I have to shoot in, res- in, that, in a way that results in too much contrast. I have to spend lots of times in Photoshop to fix it. I've tried to use fill flash with limited success. I have a 40D with 17 to 85 Canon lens and a 580EX flash unit. Are there camera setting changes or other actions I can take to capture better images under these conditions? Carl Short is from Oklahoma City. Anybody want to take a stab at that? Well, I mean, I, I would say, uh, you know, Carl's using a 1785 millimeter lens and, uh, well, I think within the range of that Canon 580 flash unit, I think sometimes the problem is in midday bright light, um, you're forced, even at low ISOs, to use a, a fairly uh, small aperture or large number like F16. Um, and that being said, uh, the flash doesn't recycle very quickly. Um, what I do is I have one of those quantum battery packs which are really good and they've got a new sort of skinny slim one that doesn't take up much space or weight and it allows you even at the maximum capacity flash like an F-16 to fire off uh, very quickly it recycles very fast and allows you to kind of keep up with the action uh, that that Carl's describing. So, I mean, that's maybe one way to assure a better fill flash performance that would certainly uh, solve some of those contrast problems in, in midday light. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I know in Aperture and, and I guess those that use Lightroom, um, you can kind of maneuver images um, pretty pretty uh, greatly in terms of contrast and, and then just kind of uh, batch change them all, which maybe speeds things up. Yeah, well, I was going to say that if you're, you know, if you're going to be shooting with the assumption that you'll do a little post-processing on it, you want to make sure that you have details in those dark shadows. So maybe kind of expose a little bit to the right. I mean, don't expose to where you blow stuff out. But if you've got any kind of headroom there, try to you know, acknowledge the fact that you're going to try to be pulling detail up out of shadows. And you don't, don't want that detail to be you know, too noisy. So you want to get as much in there. Uh, and to do that, you kind of expose slightly brighter, you know. Part, part of a stopover or something. I'll just add a couple of quick tips. Number one, look for subtractive lighting. In bright sun, if you can find a wall to block the sun from one angle or an overhang from a tree, for instance, that always helps. A second suggestion is to get a ladder and have everybody look up. Now, they're going to squint a little bit, but it, you can you can have everybody's face in, in the sun as opposed to everybody's face in dark shade. You can eliminate some of the contrast problems. And then my last suggestion is if you, can, if you don't need a color image, 
producing these images in black and white or even better sepia tone will reduce the apparent differences in contrast. That's a bunch of different suggestions. Obviously, we can't solve your problem not being in the field with you, but hopefully that will give you something to start with, Carl. All right, guys, let's move on to the next question. It's a question about retaining the fun when your photography becomes the career. This is from Michael James. I shoot events and other corporate type stuff. I love doing it. It keeps me in good equipment that I would otherwise not have. My issue is with shooting for fun. In my case, landscapes come to a point where the job is overridden the hobby and I have trouble when I just go out to shoot for fun. I pay, I put way too much pressure on myself and get frustrated. What do you guys do to get the fun back in photography when it turns into a job? Wow. You want to go first with this, Steve? Sure. Um, you know, that that's I always tell people, you know, when I'm uh, we did a workshop just recently and and this thing comes up and I say, you know, being being a non-professional uh, you know, is an advantage in a lot of ways because when you do get to shoot, you go out and kind of do what you want to do and you really enjoy it as a professional, you end up having to do a lot of stuff that maybe takes the shine off of why you are passionate and are into photography in the first place. Um, when it comes to sort of finding the fun, I I think you know, he's obviously putting pressure on himself, uh, Michael James is, and, and, you know, that's understandable to a certain degree. We all want to do good work, but, I mean, I think one way is to sort of give yourself a, a kind of um, project that you can work on, and and by that I mean if it's landscape, you know, think sort of, uh, uh, of in, in, as, a, as a project, you know, what am I going to do, how can I sort of go out and create a variety of different landscapes that are somehow tied together that maybe could ultimately become, you know, kind of an exhibition or I can self-publish a book or, you know, that, that gives you kind of a goal that's very kind of specific but general enough to allow him to just go out and add to the, the theme that he's working on of, of landscape. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's also too, you know, go when you have the time. Don't go when you're squeezed for time because then you're just going to feel um, rushed and, and you don't want to be, you know, that's a negative thing. You want to just go out and you want to enjoy and just take the pressure off yourself. I mean, that's, that's something that uh, it sounds like, you know, it, it's, it's, he's just putting too much pressure on himself. Yeah. I have to tell you that I've suffered from this having been a professional photographer for more than 35 years. And what mm. I try to do to get the fun back in is simply switch up what I do on a regular basis. I try not to do too much of one thing all the time. So I will switch up and do some photography that's not normally something I'd be interested in. Even if it's something I have no interest in, I'll try it. And and that helps. I have to admit that one of the reasons to buy new gear, <laughs> at least the excuse that I use to buy new gear, is it keeps me interested and so my recent switch to Nikon sure has helped solve this problem because I got all new stuff to learn. I've been a Canon shooter so long. Now I have new Nikon stuff to learn about. So that kind of helps. So new subjects, new gear, and you know, new places, new locations, new people to shoot with. These are all things you might want to try. And it's okay to take a break once in a while. That's that's something everybody needs to do from their job, whether they're firefighters, photographers. Or, uh, you know, street cleaners, you need a day off. So that can help. I mean, for me, that was another problem. I worked so many days in a row. I think I went for 10 or 11 years without even taking Christmas off. So that, that definitely causes some burnout. Yeah, I, I'll just add that I, I, I went to sort of the same thing in you know, the visual effects and the filmmaking industry where, you know, you start doing it for a job and you kind of you lose the, the sense of fun on it. And I was very conscious of that with regards to photography and i've really you know resisted the urge to start thinking about what well, can i make money off of this can i sell these photos i'm i've just sort of made the decision that i am firmly going to keep my feet planted in the hobbyist realm on this so for those of you that are thinking about becoming pro photographers yeah you might want to consider that too that uh, there, there's just some fun to be to not have any responsibility on it and, you know, taking workshops is a great way. Just, you know, you can see how the students are all kind of excited again and, and they're sort of encouraging each other or local camera clubs. Just anything to sort of maybe fire up that spark that uh, maybe you're not feeling right at the moment. And as Scott said, you know, take a break from it. Uh, th that's okay. And you'll you'll probably come back stronger. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, that, that's, that's all I'll I think say. that's a, you know, I think it's a great suggestion because some of the most fun I have with the visual effects world is when I go talk to universities and groups of students and stuff like that. And it, and it does, it reminds you of sort of where you were at back then and, and the, 
you know, the grand dreams that you have. So, yeah, you know, if he's making a living as a photographer, he probably can get opportunities to go talk to students. And I think that right there will sort of help refresh him, too. Good discussion. And uh, I think we need to move on. Before we go, I do want to give you a tip. We try to give a tip at the end of every show. And my tip has to do with contests. Steve, when you enter contests, do you read the rules? Uh, you know, the one rule I'm always looking for is the, the, the rule that often says, and I say often, more, more, more and more, um, that you, you might just give up your copyright by entering the contest. And, and any contest like that ought to be ashamed of themselves. But it does, it does happen more than, than, than not. That's my tip. Read the rules carefully read the rules carefully because when you enter a photo contest more and more often and i'm bringing this up because i know steve has seen it a lot and i have too more and more often your entry constitutes your donation of all rights each and every right that you might ever have had or future have on a photograph to the people that run the contest it's not that way by the way when you enter our contest we do not take your copyright and do anything with it, you retain 100% of your copyright any time you enter a TWIP contest or any of the contests I'm associated with. But many of the contest sponsors have lawyers who are not particularly experienced with photography and so in, in, in the zeal to protect their clients write these very onerous conditions. I don't think they're trying to be evil, but I think they end up being evil because they take your copyright. So it's generally never worth it. I think, I think those things should really be illegal. And, you know, you got to be careful. Contests you would never expect to be so sort of underhanded. And, and that's really the, a word I think that's fair, you know, are often sort of some of the biggest places. It could be a, a television network. NBC might. Uh, there was one I remember from the Today Show that if you entered, you know, it was mostly aimed at amateur people. But if you entered it, you lost your image. It, you no longer owned it. And, and what's and really bad is that that doesn't apply to just the winner, Steve. Most of these contest <laughs> rules are written so that every single entry, every single entry, you're giving up your rights to the image. So even if they don't give you the prize, because you might be saying, well, hey, if I win that prize, it's worth giving up my copyright. Well, most of these contests say that if you enter, whether or not you win, they have the right to republish, redistribute, resell, change the copyright, whatever, to your image. And that's something that I don't ever think is a good idea. So that's the basis of the tip. Read the rules. Be sure you know what you're getting into. Be sure you know how your photo will be used. Be sure you realize what your copyrights are and make an informed decision. And if you're not comfortable with the rules, simply don't enter. That's all there is to it. Okay, that's the tip. And, uh, you know, we'll be back here next week with more photography news and reviews and things you can use. Until then, if you want to follow what we're doing, head on over to the blog at Twip photo.com t-w-i-p-p-h-o-t-o.com all one word please take a just a moment to subscribe to our podcast on itunes even if you don't listen to it every time on itunes it would help because then others can find us and know that we're available that way and if you want to find out what we're individually doing you can go to our individual various places of individualness and yours would be ron uh, digitalcomposting.com or on the Twitter, Ron Brinkman. Two N's. Two N's. You can never forget that part. Three N's, really, if you count the N in the middle, but four <laughs> if you count the Ron. So really, there's five. No. M-A-N-N at the end. That's the only hard part. And, and if you spell it wrong, you'll get a vibraphone player in Norway. Everything, <laughs> in fact, all 404 error links from now on are going to go to that vibraphone player in Norway's website, I've just decided. <laughs> and Steve, how about you? Well, I, I just wanted to do a quick plug. I'm going to be doing a workshop with Vince Laforet, and I'm really excited about it, at the International Center of Photography here in New York, November 8th and 9th. And there's still a little room there. So if anyone's uh, within uh, traveling to uh, New York, November 8th and 9th, they can do it. And uh, Ron got me into, well, all of you guys got me into the Twitter, and I'm, I'm, I just can't stop. I'm, I'm addicted to it. Uh, I have a few followers, not as many as you guys, but I'm hoping more people will uh, tune in. So Twitter um, slash Steve Simon, right, Ron? That's right, yes. Twitter.com slash Steve Simon, all one word. Gotcha, gotcha. As your agent, I can confirm that's the problem. <laughs> Since you actually registered for him, right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You can follow so. me on the Twitter if you like, Scott Bourne. 
I must confess that I sometimes talk about things other than photography, so if that's going to bother you, don't follow. You can also uh, find out my photo stuff, of course, at, at twipphoto.com. F64.com is home to the Aperture Nature Photography Workshop Contest, which is going on right now, and you have a chance to win an all-expenses-paid trip to Yosemite National Park. I'm very proud to announce, and this is a worldwide exclusive, that Steve Simon will again be joining me. Yay, I'm very trip. excited, very excited. As one of the teachers, we we're, we have um, a couple of other teachers, which you may not have heard of, which we are working on finishing up. Jennifer Wu has signed on. She's a great photographer who has a shot in the new Canon brochure, by the way. She has a great star shot that she got in the new Canon camera brochure. And she does a lot of training for Canon and other people. She's going to be there. And then a, a fourth unannounced person as of yet, but we'll make that announcement soon. So that's at F64.com. Alex isn't here, but you can find out what he's into whenever he is here uh, or not at PixelCore. So Thanks for listening very much. I think that's about all we have. And we hope that we will see you next week on This Week in Photography. Until then, let's just put the lens cap right back on. Coming up on This Week in Photography, we talk about Photo Plus. Photo news, including a... 